each other through it Come on and see, good movement draws good movement Welcome to Good Movement Draws Good Movement, the podcast where farmers, ranchers, and rural folks can grow relationally through awareness, understanding, and effective communication. Hey, it's T. I'm your host, and I, along with my guests, will be covering topics related to drawing good movement. Things like self and social awareness, brain science, positive psychology, extending grace, and so much more. We'll share tools that can help you understand why you are the way you are, why others are the way they are, and how you can use that to step out of self-told lies with grace and compassion to draw good movement in conversations, relationships, and life in rural America. Let's go draw good movement. I am so excited because today I have my friend Ashley Machado on. Ashley is a TEDx speaker and has been selected as the 2023 FFA Changemaker. She is rethinking the way we support mental health in the food and ag space. She specializes in tangible tools and simple strategies through mental health trainings for ag families and businesses alike. Ashley grew up in the dairy industry and now farms and ranches with her family in California's Central Valley. She has her bachelor's in human development and a master's in social work with an emphasis in clinical mental health. Her goal is for everyone in the ag industry in rural America to have tools they need in their mental health toolbox to operate and live life fully. So Ashley and I met in person for the first time a couple of years ago at our friend Natalie's Rural Rooted, one of her Rural Rooted retreats. I had flown in as an extra coach just for the day. We ended up sitting and chatting way past my bedtime that night. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I think like 2 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was definitely a short night, but we ended up coaching together a few times last year. We got to see each other every couple of months, which was totally awesome. And I really missed that because that has not happened in 2023. But Ash has been a great wealth of knowledge to me and for my own mental health. And I can't wait to have her share her knowledge here with us today. So Ashley, with that, can you tell us a little more about you and how you got here? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, thanks for having me. And I mean, what a grand interest. That is so kind. (laughs) But I guess about me, I grew up in a small town in the middle of California. My grandparents immigrated here were Portuguese and my grandpa had a dairy And I was kind of this curious kid, always asking questions like, why do we do what we do? Or always curious in people's behaviors or what made them tick or what, you know, made them make the choices that they were making. And at that time, I think people weren't really asking those questions, more so even answering those questions. It was just kind of like, this is what we do and this is what it is. And I kind of really felt like a black sheep and out of place. And so I was like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. But I have since learned our roots run really deep. And I ended up in another small farming town in Northern California at Sonoma. And I was an athlete my whole life. I played college water polo. And I think it has had like it's really impactful piece of my life shaping me, helping me kind of like see how other people interact, 
people from different families, different atmospheres, how they interact with each other, and really brought me out of my comfort zone of being in, you know, a small town that I grew up in. And that was kind of that first taste of answering those questions that I always had as a kid, like, why are we doing what we're doing? Or is this how it's supposed to be? Or is this because we think it's supposed to be like this? Or why? Like always why? I just remember my dad always telling me, you always asked why, 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 why? And that was my first taste of, wow, the world is big and vast. And there's so many different answers to all of these questions that I have. And I kind of began to crave it more. So then I went down to LA and I got my master's in social work with an emphasis in clinical mental health. And I worked with at-risk youth and homeless women and under some of the top psychologists doing different research and stuff. And I loved it. I was like, loved it. I, at the time, was also dating Manny, who I've known my whole life, who's also Portuguese from the small town I grew up in, in the dairy industry. Like I'm telling you, our roots do run deep. And we got married. I was like, okay, well, you have a calf ranch. You can't move. You can't really move all of those calves and almonds are planted in the ground. Like, I guess I have to go back home. So I was back home. We got married. I was got pregnant like two or three months later, unplanned. Actually, the doctor told me I couldn't have babies. And so then all of a sudden I was pregnant two months later. Like, so I was like, oh, what? This is not what I had planned for my life. I actually had this different plan. I was supposed to be like building this big career because I thought I wasn't going to be having babies. You know, I thought it was just going to be me and Manny hanging out. And then after I had my first daughter, I really experienced postpartum anxiety. And I remember thinking like, okay, I don't feel like I, you always hear, oh, your baby, it's like so blissful, all these things. And I, I just felt lost. And I was like, I think I need to find resources for myself. So I started looking and there were none. Also during that time is a really hard year in the dairy industry. And a lot of the dairy men we work with were really struggling. And Manny and I had talked about it. And I was like, oh, I'll find some resources for them too. And I looked around and there were none. Then I started talking to some friends that live in Nebraska and other parts of the country. They're like, no, we don't. What are you talking about? We don't have those resources. Also, we don't talk about that. So I don't really know how I'm supposed to proceed forward in this conversation. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know what that means? That means I need to start sharing what I know and bringing all of these tools and things that I've experienced, one, through my life being in the ag industry, but also through my profession, knowing what I know. And that has kind of led me here right now in this interview. I think that's so cool because it really was that common thread of curiosity Mm-hmm. That kind of got you here. Like you were looking for resources and you were trying to solve or answer the question of why am I feeling this and and what can I do about it? And you didn't find it. So you made it. And that's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. I curiosity has kind of always been a thread through my life. And I think I pride myself on that. 
I think that we can really turn if someone is doing something that we don't agree with or we don't know about or is uncomfortable to us. It's easy to get in that judgment role. And I have really always been someone who, like I said, is in, ends up in the why role and like, oh, tell me more about that. Or, oh, why do you do that? Or, and not out of judgment, just out of curiosity. And I know there's a saying, curiosity kills the cat. I have been told that as a child so many times. And I'm so proud of myself that I didn't listen to that. I mean, good I, thing we're not cats. It Literally. <laughs> literally. Also, they have nine lives. So, I mean, keep being curious. But I just think like if we reframe that and we rather than judge, we're curious, we can really be working on solving so many problems by just by understanding what other people are going through. Yeah. I mean, I know that you're a Ted Lasso fan. I mean, you kind of got me into Ted Lasso. What's that? It's not really actually Walt Whitman that says it or that Mm -hmm. said it, but he cites Walt Whitman. Yeah. Be curious, not judgmental. Yeah. 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 It's the scene where they're throwing the darts. Yeah. I love that scene. Big Ted Lasso fan. (laughs) I think I've watched the entire series three times through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just, it's just great. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, they did a really beautiful job. It's my favorite way to understand and digest these type of topics because they really do hit home on some really big and important topics that we deal with in everyday life, but they do it in such a way that instead of it's like, you need to believe this, it's like, oh, maybe consider thinking about X, Y, and Z. And then it leaves you with questions. And I was listening, Jason Sudeikis, is that how you say his last name? Yeah, I I think so. Close. Yeah. Yeah. He was on a podcast and he was saying that's the goal. That's why they made him only 30 minutes. And so you don't, instead of binging it, they want you to watch it just one episode at a time and then think about what the message was and how that impacts you. And I was, oh, love it. It's funny. It's lighthearted. Also, it's like, oh, this is something I need to think about. Well, I totally did binge it because the first two seasons were fully out before I started watching. Mm-hmm. But I, like I said, I've watched it three times fully through. Mm-hmm. And each time I watch it, I pick up more. And it really gets like, especially Nate's storyline. Yeah. After you've seen it a couple of times, you can really, instead of being mad at Nate, like you are the first time you watch it, you mm-hmm. can really empathize with his character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a spoiler alert. I mean, I don't want to give too much away if people are going to watch it because I'd really love for people to watch it. But what he does, it's based on kind of everything. He is making these choices because in his childhood, in his past, something has impacted him that has made him view himself in a certain way. And because of the lack of self-awareness, it has caused him to make choices he's not necessarily proud of and carrying on traits or behaviors that he didn't really want to because he wasn't really practicing self-awareness or he was just acting off a straight emotion. And instead of responding and pausing, reacting right away. Mm-hmm. And then you be, you begin to see how he kind of regrets or feels bad about what he's done. And he's like, okay, 
how do I move forward and what do I need to do? Because that's not actually the human I want to be or the humans I want to surround myself with. Right. I think the reason that I like Ted Lasso so much is because so much of it is like good movement. Mm-hmm. Like what I talk about and all of that, just individually and as a whole, it's good movement. So, with that little segue, because of a hilarious incident last year that you were in the car for, <laughs> I have started asking all of my guests. Well, actually, started asking all of my guests. You're my first. You'll be my first guest to <laughs> I have interviewed one other person, but this is the first time it will appear in an episode. What came to mind the first time you heard the phrase good movement before I explained it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are we talking about when Kaya was in the car? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> wow. She is so funny. So she said, you know, like bowel movements. And it just so happened at that point, all at my first daughter, she was going through some health stuff and her bowels were actually like really impacted. And so when she said that, I was like, oh my God, me too. But I think the first initial before she voiced her opinion, it was something about like moving your body, like yoga, interpretive dance, stuff like that. But then I was like, okay, I don't think that's what Taryn's going for because she is more talking about ranching. And then I was like, I think it means something like how we communicate with animals. This is what, as I was like cracking up at at what Kaya was saying, that's kind of where my brain was going. I mean, and the truth is, it doesn't matter what it is, if like it's actually moving our bodies or our bowels or bovines or humans, like you just can't force it and have it be good movement. So the principles kind of apply across the board. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We were talking about Ted Lasso and Nate's storyline and self-awareness. And I've gotten this question a few times here recently. And it's now that I'm self-aware, what do I do with the information? And it's coming from a communication, interpersonal skills, relationship, good movement standpoint. But I would bet this comes pretty often as it relates to mental health too. So can you answer that question for somebody who might be aware that they need to work on their mental health or there's something not right with their mental health? Yeah. So you mean like the person they know they're like self-aware, like, Hey, something's going on with me or someone around me. What do I do with this information? Yes. Yeah. I think it depends on the severity. You know, if we need to contact someone, do that right away. If you need to be calling a self-help line to help with suicide or, you know, go see a therapist first and foremost, like just looking at the severity of what that is. Next, I think it's important to kind of pause. I think taking small steps in helping those behaviors or developing habits that will support your brain health, for me, I always think is the first step. So are you eating food that support a healthy lifestyle? Are you exercising? Are you journaling or finding a way to get your thoughts out? Are there in, are you getting enough sleep? Those I think are the basis of mental health because our brain health is directly correlated to our mental health. So if we're taking care of our brain health, 
it's going to be a lot easier to work on things like stress or anxiety or depression or anything like that. So first and foremost, I think just taking care of your health. Very good. I don't think it has to be like all these things at one time, like one step at a time. I'm not getting enough sleep. Okay. How do I fix that? Do I need to go to bed earlier? Do I need to turn screens off before bedtime? Like, what do I need to do to fix that situation? And then after that's better. Okay. What's next? You know what? I really want to start incorporating some exercise into my life. Okay. What does that look like now that my sleep's already better? That's a habit now. What's the next thing I can work on? Instead of going into it like, oh, Ashley said, I got to work on my sleep. I got to exercise. I got to start journaling and getting my thoughts out. I got to start eating healthy. I got to actually overhaul my whole life. I don't necessarily agree with that. When I just like one step at a time, just pick one thing you want to work on, work on that. And then when that feels comfortable, add something else in. I like that. Make it small and actionable, like small enough that you're actually going to do it. Yeah. I mean, we're busy people. We have a lot of animals and or acres and or kids to take care of and a partner, maybe family. Like we have these really full lives. And so overhauling that and changing everything can feel pretty scary. And it's more likely to just get dismissed if that's the case. So if just like one thing makes it way more approachable. Yeah. What's that phrase? Grab the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah. So in a nutshell, good movement is being able to communicate in an efficient, effective, low stress manner in which both parties move forward, even if they aren't in complete agreement. Mm -hmm. I think a big, mostly overlooked piece of good movement is our mental health. So can you speak to how mental health affects our relationships and communication with each other? Yeah. Yeah. I think first we have to touch base on what mental health is and means. And what I have kind of come to through the people I've worked with in my professional career is that mental health is our health and the way our brain and our heart work together. And even more how that relationship is formed. That relationship is formed a lot through the people around us, our own health, our own relationship with our body, our thoughts, and what is actually going on in our brain. So if you look at it from that perspective, our mental health is actually incredibly intertwined with relationships and communication. We learn how to communicate from people around us when we're a child. Like we see how the adults around us communicate. And we think, okay, that's how I'm going to communicate. And we then take that and apply it to our relationships and our lives and the people we surround ourselves when we're adults. And I mean, I guess this ties back to Nate. If we're not practicing self-awareness or learning or seeing how that communication interacts with other people. We're not seeing how our actions or communication affect other people through our body language or our words or little habits or behaviors, little habits and behaviors that we don't necessarily want then begin to affect the other people around us because those are the ways we communicated when we were a child. So say there's a couple and they have kids 
and maybe they talk down to each other or they argue or they do the cold shoulder when they're mad at each other. The kids are going to see that, observe it, and then take that communication into their future relationships. And if they're not aware of that, their mental health, how that affects them, then those tendencies, whether they like it or not, are going to come out. Oh, I I think this is so important considering how many farms and ranches are generational farms and ranches. And so when we have multiple generations working together that learned how to communicate from the older generation, it just piles on and piles on and piles on until somebody chooses to get self-aware. Mm-hmm. So I think this is so important. Yeah. And I think it's like the person who becomes self-aware and is like, I actually don't want to be talked to that way. And I actually don't want to talk to people that way. It's harder. It's very hard for them because then if you're in an unhealthy situation, that person's going to get singled out. Like, why isn't this working? This is how it's always been. Why can't we keep doing this? And that person who's like trying to change the line of communication that's always been then gets talked to even more poorly and it's really hard for them. So if you are like a listener is listening and they are someone who's in that position, they're trying to change, just know like one, you're not alone and two, keep going. Yeah. I have this theory that you can't tell anyone anything and that we learn by like you can show people and they will learn quicker than if you tell them. And I mean, that's not to say that we can't learn things by taking in information that other people are telling us, but we have to be open-minded about it. If you're not open-minded, you you just can't be told. And so, like Ashley said, just keep going, modeling mm-hmm. that. And people will eventually, they'll just take note of it. They might get curious about it. You know, I think about when I was a kid and I did have an adult in my life who kind of talked down to me or kind of in a demeaning way. And if I wasn't aware of that, obviously that would begin to come out and I would talk to my kids that way or talk to Manny that way. But because of all the work I've done, I'm pretty self-aware. And I even really have to pause because what is natural to me is what I learned. And so now before responding, I always ask myself, like, is this actually what I want to say? Or is that just a reactive response? And what do I actually want to say? And it's okay to pause. I think people sometimes feel uncomfortable with pause in conversation. And the more you kind of begin to question, like, is this what I want to say? Or is this just, you know, a learned behavior that's coming out? It just gets easier and more natural to be doing that. And the pauses get a little shorter if you're feeling uncomfortable to them. But that's what I do to kind of pause and begin to create change. Yes, I think you're right. People are uncomfortable with pause. But I actually just posted something on Instagram today that was like, you sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. Mm-hmm. And so in order to move conversation and communication and relationships forward, sometimes you have to slow down and pause. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, going back to your question, how does mental health affect our communication and relationships? You know, if we are really practicing self-awareness or sensing like what's going on in our hearts or minds or our bodies, that's just going to radiate to other people. 
whether it's good or bad, you know, if you're feeling fabulous and you're feeling happy, people feel that energy mm-hmm. when they're around you. Like, you know, there are some people who just radiate joy. And when you're around those people, it just feels like a warm hug to your heart. And then there's people who maybe aren't practicing self-awareness, who talk down to other people. They kind of are like mope around a lot. That radiates to other people too. And so if we're not figuring out what's going on internally in our hearts and in our mind, it does affect the people around us. I think sometimes that's a hard realization. I mean, I know it was a hard realization for me to make that we affect more than we think we do. And we don't necessarily, it's not necessarily the things that we say, it's just our being can affect a lot more than we think. Yeah. And our language is more than just words too, right? It's our body language. It's our facial expressions. It's the words we use. It's also the tone we use. So we are communicating with people, even if we're not speaking and that affects people. We could be saying one thing with words, but our tone and our body language is saying the complete opposite. Like, I mean, I know women get generalized for this, but when they're saying, oh, I'm fine. Like that tone and that look with the little head nod. (laughs) Clearly she's not fine. Clearly she's not fine. And I think, you know, hopefully a lot of husbands have caught on, but also hopefully women, again, generalizing, you know, really anyone who's saying I'm fine, instead of saying I'm fine, pause and see like, how am I actually feeling? And let me just be honest about that. Yeah. And also on the flip side of that, sometimes if you say, oh, I'm totally fine and you are totally fine, people who have picked up on the I'm fine, not being fine, think that you're not fine when you actually are. So it's like you just have to pause. That would be the other person's own self-awareness. Like if they ask I'm fine and someone is honest in responding, I'm fine. And the other person is like, okay, they said I'm fine. They're not actually fine. That's their own self-awareness that they need to be working on because we also need to be trusting what people are saying. I always, Manny and I always talk like, I'm going to say the truth, how I actually feel. And I, it's your responsibility to me and our relationship that you're also saying the truth on how you feel. And then we can really trust the words each other are saying. Ooh, that is something that I really need to work on actually is telling the truth and (laughs) letting Tom interpret how to take it. Because as a type nine, I'm like so worried about the conflict, you know? And so sometimes I will downplay what is going on or not talk about it in order to keep the peace when I really should give him the opportunity to interpret what I'm saying and go with it where he thinks we need to go with it. Right. Because if you're denying those feelings of how you actually feel, then you're suppressing a lot of what's going on in tea. You know, Mm -hmm. if you can voice how you actually feel, whether he's going to take it as quote unquote good or bad, because it's neither, it just is what it is. Like no feeling is good or bad. They just are what they are. Getting through that and communicating that to him allowing him to see you and hear you and show you like, I'm here for you, no matter what your feelings are, is what's most important. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, it's obviously not just him, but 
<laughs> I, I deny the people the opportunity also to get to know me and what I really think. So there's that too. Yeah. You have a bright light. We, we all need to see it. Well, thank you. A big part of your work is giving farmers and ranchers and people within agriculture tools to put in their mental health toolbox or building a mental health toolbox for them. Can you describe what it means to have a mental health toolbox? And if you could give someone only one tool to get started using right now today, what would that tool be? Okay. So a mental health toolbox, I just, this is kind of what my TED talk was on and I know it's not out and it will I know. be one okay. day. So I tried to look for it this morning so I could listen to it and it's not out yet. I know. I know. Ted uh, takes a while. (laughs) Yes. So what is a mental health toolbox? I think we in the ag community, Western rural space, we have all these tools, right? To do our jobs. We have tractors. We have screwdrivers. We have shovels. We have cows. We have, you know, all these different things to help that job work. Also, things that can help that job work and help our relationships is our mental health tools. So I just want us to imagine, you know, any toolbox that you have on your ranch, except it's on your hip. It's like a fanny pack. It's imaginary. And in there are a bunch of tools that are accessible and easy to use that, you know, say you're feeling stress. This is the tool I should be using that works best for me. Say I need to work on communication. This is a good tool that would work best for me. Or say, I feel overwhelmed or sad a lot. These are good tools that would work best for me specifically. And I think if we have access to those tools and we use them and we're aware with them, our ranches will and farms will be better off. Our businesses will be better off. Our relationship with our families will be better off. Our relationship with our kids, ourselves, all of them will be better off. And I think just looking at it as a way of another tool to better your business or your life. I think my favorite one would be a breathing exercise. I think a lot of people feel stressed or overwhelmed in the rural and ag space, kind of a lot. You know, the cows are getting out or all of a sudden it's raining and it's not supposed to be raining. The tractor broke, you know, all of these kind of uncertainties that always tend to happen. Like, I know from experience, we were just in Monterey for my youngest daughter's birthday and everything happened while we were gone. Like the almond pie broke, three of the trucks that pick up calves broke, some other stuff happened on the ranch. And I was like, oh my, like, why, why is this always happening when we're gone? I can't control that, but what I can control is my response to it. So I can pause and do a breathing exercise. And there are a couple I like. So you can head to my podcast. I think episode four is an in-depth on breathing exercise. And then after every single episode, we do do a breathing exercise that I really love and do to myself with my girls. Some of them I do with Manny. So I think breathing exercises is my favorite tool because it's free, like love something free. It's always with you. Yeah. I love breathing. and. It's just good. Like, I don't know if I ever told you this, but in 2020, that was a really stressful year for us here on the ranch. 
Uh, we were really busy. We were shorthanded. I mean, 2020 was a stressful year for everyone. And my stress was not necessarily because of the pandemic. It was because of what was going on here at the ranch. And I, I mean, I survived through until we got more help. And then as soon as we got more help, I walked around with a gut ache and a really tight chest for weeks. And it wasn't until I discovered breathing exercises that that tightness in my chest went away. And it was like, I didn't have time. It was anxiety for sure, but I didn't have time to be anxious when I was running my butt off all summer and fall. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I had the time, then it was like, it just hit me like a ton of bricks and without breathing exercises, I don't know what would have happened, but thankfully I discovered them and I still use them. And I use new ones now because I listen to Ashley's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's so many different ones and I know people think it's woo woo, but the research is out there. Like they do help. Some of them help lower your anxiety or stress or overwhelm immediately up to over like 60%. And some, if you practice them every day, it lowers your baseline of stress and anxiety. So like, yeah, sign me up. If you're going to be like, I'm feeling anxious or stressed and I can breathe for a minute and it's going to feel a sense of relief for a time being. Yeah. And if I'm going to practice it every day, the low, I'm going to lower my baseline of stress and anxiety. I mean, it's a no brainer for me. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you try it? Yeah. It's free and it's short. And okay. So in our house, we have this rule at the dinner table. If you don't think that you're going to like something, but you've never tried it before, you have to take two bites Because the first bite, you might have a bad attitude, but the second bite, you can really allow yourself to actually taste the food and decide if you like it or not. And if you don't like it, then you don't eat it. And if you do like it, then, you know, finish your dinner. And we could just say this, like, if you don't think you're going to like the breathing exercises, you have to try it twice. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. You have to try it twice so you can come to it with an open mind. That's right. The first time you might have a bad attitude, but the second time you can really decide if it makes you feel better. And I guarantee it will. Yeah. And, you know, I actually feel like people are approaching this with pretty good attitudes because people are really looking for resources. And I know some people come to me and they feel really alone. But the truth is, I mean, the reason I started sharing this stuff is because there was no resources. There are a lot of farmers and ranchers out there. And, That means a lot of people are probably struggling with some type of stress or overwhelm because of all the uncertainty we experience. And to have a resource that makes you feel better, I feel like a lot of people are really finding it impactful and easy to approach and with a good attitude, actually. That makes me so happy. And speaking of you creating all of these resources, you have a variety of coaching and consulting options from one-to-one coaching to group coaching and business consulting. So would you tell us a little more about those options for those who might be interested in working with you? 
Yeah. So I have one-on-one if someone wants to work with me one-on-one. An individual wants to work on their own stress or overwhelm or sadness or communication or relationships, any of that stuff. I also have a video on anxiety up on the website that anyone could buy and download and watch that comes with a workbook. And then it kind of grows into the business side where you can have a business that you work for or that you own have me come in and I can speak and do trainings on a variety of topics. And then I also offer small business and corporate wellness plans where I send out mental health and wellness tips through emails and webinars to your employees as a value add-on and to your customers if that's the option you choose as a value add-on. And it's just a way to get more mental health tools and resources out there that again, they're, it's going to better your business. Like people working on communication, people working on relationships, people working on rapport building or how to talk to your boss, or what do I do when I feel stressed? Or what do I do when I feel sad or overwhelmed? You know, I have all these questions, where do I go? These programs and plans, they really help answer all those questions for you internally, your clients, your customers, or your employees. That's so awesome that you provide those resources like to everyone in the business and then clients also. I think that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, that's my goal is for everyone in the Western ag and rural community to have the tools they need to live life fully. And if we're not going to be talking about them in home, like maybe people don't feel comfortable talking about it, that's okay. Like come to me and I will help you navigate whatever you're experiencing. Yeah. And I also think that you having your background in agriculture and I mean, your childhood was in agriculture, your adult life has been in agriculture is really beneficial because I think sometimes as with, I mean, other things other than mental health, those of us in agriculture don't know who to go to because people who aren't in it or don't have any history in it don't always understand, but you you understand all of the pressures that we're up against in agriculture. And I think that is something that is invaluable thank in this so space. Much. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I believe God put me here right now for a reason. And I think just tying my personal and professional life together, it feels good and it feels like where I'm supposed to be. And I feel lucky to feel that way. With that, Ashley, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing all of, well, not all of your knowledge, a teeny tiny bit of your knowledge with us today. Before we go, tell everyone where they can find you. Hey, you can find my podcast at mwell, M space W-E-L-L. My husband, Manny, and I, we deep dive different topics or articles. I also have solo episodes where I give out different mental health tools and resources and guest interviews. The consulting firm that I have built is also mwell. You can find that at m-well.org. And the Instagram page is mwellconsulting. And then my personal page, ashleymachado.com, personal Instagram, Ashley Machado. 
by Ashley Machado. Oh yeah. By Ashley Machado. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure if you searched Ashley Machado, you'd be able to find Ashley. Yeah. M well or Ashley Machado and you'll find me. (laughs) Thanks again for coming on Ash. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm so grateful for you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love for you to share with others who might also benefit from tuning in. Share by word of mouth, send it in a text, take a screenshot and post it on social media, or share however you prefer. And if you haven't already, hit the follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, draw good movement.